You're listening to Japanese Baptist Church in Seattle, Washington. So in the season of Easter, I've been taking the time to um, talk about how can we receive from God. I've been spending a long season of talking about surrendering and releasing unto God. And sometimes I feel like the Christian life is really out of balance because we spend so much time talking about um, giving up things for God, surrendering, and we don't realize that the reason that God is asking us to surrender, to release things, is because God wants to bless us, wants to give us something, but something stands in the way. And so what I've been doing the past couple of weeks is to talk about what does the good news of Christ's death and resurrection mean for us to receive? And um, as I wrap up this three-part series, I've obviously not encapsulated everything, but what I talk about today, I talk with a, a great deal of reverence because um, it is so fully who God is, and I'm still discovering the depth and the width of it. One of the greatest things that we receive from God in my study of Scripture and what I believe is that we receive love. Now, when I talk about love, I think um, it's used very flippantly in our culture, in our world today. Uh, for some of us, it's a romantic notion. It's uh, the thing that we see on cards, we see in movies, and we think we understand love. But as we dissect it a bit, we realize that it's very hard to figure out and it seems very flippant and frivolous. For other people, love might be understood as a passion for something. And this seems more compelling to others because it feels like it's got more guts, it's got more strength to it. But when we talk about love, are we really just talking about energy and excitement? And as you know, all things that have a passion or excitement, they can't be always sustained. I think love is greater than a passion, it's greater than an emotion. And then some people who are so dis, uh, disappointed with seeing love as something of romance or a passion, they want to call love um, something that requires radical self-sacrifice to the point of martyrdom. And there are people who say that uh, love is about doing something for others where you have no benefit whatsoever. And the less you benefit from, the better. And the more disinterested, the more disconnected you are to the act of love, the better. And while it seems very noble, in fact, I even subscribed to this when I was younger, I realized it's just not human. It didn't seem right. In fact, over time, it just becomes very burdensome to feel like you have to be uh, distanced from all good deeds of goodness for other people. And what I realize is that a lot of times when we talk about love, we try and find a category that we understand in the world, and then we put it upon God. But what we need to do with love is to start from the beginning and admit that this is a mysterious thing. And who better to teach us than God? Because God is the creator of all things. The whole foundation of our Christian life, of our relationship with God, I believe, is love. And if we look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, we see this. And it says here, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, 
Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. You see, we are all called to that lifelong pursuit of knowing God. And it's not about factual knowledge, but intimate relational knowledge, overflowing into our everyday lives, into what we do. See, this kind of heart knowledge always leads to actions that blesses others and blesses oneself. And it's not this disinterested thing, but it's something that finds joy in finding joy and blessing in the other person. This is love. And it's a mysterious and beautiful cycle. It's why we can write poetry and songs for centuries on end, and we still haven't exhausted the fullness of it. It's why the scriptures go through all of the Bible and still try and articulate what is the great love of God that we receive. And that's why Paul even says, I pray that you would be able to uh, understand the depth and the height and the width of God's love. As we receive God's love and grow deeper in God's love, we grow in loving God and our neighbor. And this is the beauty of this cycle, is that love is never simply meant to be received, but as you receive it, you grow in it. And as you grow in it and give it out to others, you begin to receive more love. Love is a life committed to finding your joy in others and in God. It is about surrendering self-investment and living for the flourishing of others alongside yourself. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 to 19, says what Paul's hope is for the church and what role love plays. And Paul says this, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You see, love is not just a desirable trait or characteristic. Love is actually this lifelong pursuit, this lifelong lifestyle that endures for your entire Christian life. The sign of maturity and perfection, which is wholeness, is the manifestation of love and being grounded in love. You see, God's desire for us, when he says, like, this, this is a child of mine that is fully grown up and understood what life is about, it's basically saying the sign of a Christian that knows that is truly mature is one who lives in love. God calls us to love God and to love our neighbor with all that we are. For those of you who follow JBC um, in the past three years that I've been here, you know that I talk about loving God and loving neighbor all the time because my understanding through the scriptures is that this is the foundation of our identity in Christ. We go wrong when we focus a little bit too much on one or the other, but the scriptures tell us that if you truly love God, you will love other people. And as you love other people, that's how you love God. 
And so both must be held on to. First Corinthians tells us that we may do many things, but if you don't have love, nothing is of value. And it's all fleeting and meaningless. See, the church in Corinth sought after spiritual gifts and great miraculous manifestations. But Paul reminds them that to seek the gifts, if you want to seek those spiritual blessings that can help the body of Christ, the ultimate gift of all is love. And this gives insight into passages like 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 12. You see, we can have all kinds of spiritual gifts. You know, we can have all kinds of talents in this life, but they're going to come to an end at some point. The thing that lasts forever will be love for God and love for all that God has created. This is a truly mature attitude. You know, sometimes, um, just as a musician, I can get focused on my music, and I have to challenge myself and remind myself that, you know, the gifts that I have are created to be done in love. And if they're not done in love, it means they just will come to an end one day if it's just for myself. And I think about how can I harness the talents and the creativity that I have to bless, to express my love for God and to, for my love for others. This is much bigger than some people say like, well, you know, um, I want to do this for God. And they can only think about, well, it's got to say Jesus in it. Um, it's got to reference some Bible verses and then I'll do it for God. But the thing that God is looking for something much deeper you can quote Bible verses and make it look Christian, but the deeper thing is, did you do it in love? Paul says that we need to put childish ways behind us. Individual and self-serving spiritual enlightenment is not the goal of Christianity. See, that kind of attitude is like looking in a mirror. It has the appearance of a true image, but we should care more about the actual thing it's reflecting. I've met many uh, Christians who talk about, you know, their love for God and they talk about their great knowledge of God and their great experiences of God. And those are all wonderful. But the only thing that really matters is like, how did that express itself in love for God and love for neighbor ultimately? It's something that I have to humble myself and remind myself all the time is that I can talk a lot about God. I can do things that I've branded God approved. I can do things that I say are Christian. But God is not interested in our categories. God is really asking in the end, was it done in love? I have unfortunately seen many churches and even taken part myself in doing Christian acts where there wasn't a lot of love in it. And those things don't last. Those things will be discounted. Love is more than a feeling. It is about a life that continues to cultivate these kinds of things, as we read in 1 Corinthians 13. It cultivates patience, which is a willingness to endure and wait and bear with each other. It cultivates kindness, which is to give gentleness and mercy instead of anger and wrath. It's about contentment. It's about not looking at others and seeking to take what they have, but to rejoice in their abundance rather than coveting 
It is satisfied in what God has given them. Love cultivates respect. It imparts dignity and cherishes the worth of people around you, regardless of where they come from. Love cultivates selflessness. It looks first for the opportunity to bless others instead of seeing how one can take advantage for oneself. Love cultivates steadiness. The ability to control oneself from powers of impatience, resentment, and thoughtless anger. Love cultivates mercy. It's an attitude where you don't keep track of rights and wrongs, but you are eager to forgive and to heal. Love cultivates honesty. That it would rather be true than to deceive oneself and to deceive others. You see, all of these works of love are from the greater work of self-submission for the other, whether that be love for God or love for neighbor. And this is the amazing thing, is that Christ offers us his true redemption through the message of the cross and the resurrection, is that we have finally found a way through, through Christ's death by Christ putting aside all the things that sin had hindered us from and giving us an ability to come face to face with that love that we have been longing for all our lives. Maybe some of you in this place, or maybe some of you online, have really been longing to just know about these kind of character, characteristics in your life, to receive these things. And then you can't even imagine how you could give that unto other people. But what we read about in 1 John 4 is that God first loved us. And if we can kind of begin to release our self-absorption, to release the good news of Christ's death and resurrection, we open ourselves up into a new world of love, where we are loved so perfectly, so completely, and now we are freed to love others. Um, just this morning, there was a kind of a brief moment of sunshine in Seattle. And as you know, everyone needs to run out as soon as possible whenever you see sunshine in Seattle, because you don't know how long it lasts. This morning, um, I went outside with my daughter Ian very quickly before I, I came here. And uh, she loves to do this thing where she says, you know, why is the world so beautiful? You know? <laughs> and, um, and I said, well, uh, it's because God created the world. I'm not saying it right. I know probably Ria's uh, kind of saying something from the TV right now. I think it was something like, um, the why the world so wonderful, why so beautiful? And then usually it always ends up like this, is like, because God created it. And then today Eden said, because God loved us, because God loves us. God gives us these beautiful things. And how wonderful it would be to um, have this kind of attitude, to know that all the beauty and all the blessings that we have in our life are really an overflow of God's love. And with that understanding, could we also make our lives an overflow of creative love, of creative blessing unto others? And when we are doing this in its fullness, what we read here according to Paul in his letter to the Ephesians is that that is when we truly are complete and mature. 
Let us all strive to live this life of receiving love and giving love. There is no higher calling in the Christian life. This is who we are. This is who we are called to be. Amen.